Okay, Tovin, welcome back to another in our ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. We are now in Yivamot, Daf Tzadi Betam Ra'alef, and this podcast will be a fairly long one as we're going to cover two Daf, uh, stretching from the Mishnah Gimel, which starts on Tzadi Betam Ra'alef, to the next Mishnah, Tzad Mishnah Dawad, which is on Tzadi Dawad Amur Aleph. And the reason that we're doing this is not to zip through a lot of material, but really because the majority of the sugya, as you will see, is all one unit, and there's really no good place to break in the middle. Uh, Mishnah Gimel continues with the theme that began in Mishnah Aleph and Bet, and that of uh, testimony coming that a uh, husband has died, and then the wife acts based on that testimony. And then, in Mishnah Aleph and Bet, we talked about the husband appearing. In our Mishnah, we will deal with four cases, in three of which, it turns out the husband really is dead, but died in a different order and a different timing than uh, was reported originally, and that led to problems. And in the fourth case, he indeed shows up. So let's take a look. So here we go. A woman has a husband and one child, one son. And they go off on a trip. So they come back, and the report that they give, and we will assume now it's one witness and the Beit Din, uh, and they say, that the, and the testimony is that the husband died, and then the son died, which means that the minute the husband died, she's released as a regular widow. The son is alive when the husband dies. And so therefore, she went off and married somebody. And then, And then, somebody else came, and we don't yet know who the somebody else is. We'll have to see whether it's one witness or two witnesses, etc. And came and said, the order is reversed, meaning that the son died first. Which means then when the father died, when the husband died, the husband died childless, and therefore there was a zika liyibum, and now she is retroactively judged as a yivama who ignored the zika and married out. She leaves, and the vlad rishon and acharon is a mamzer. Now, who is this Vlad Rishon and Acharon? It's very unclear because, after all, she was married to her husband, that was certainly fine, and she only had one son with him, and that son certainly is fine. Afterwards, she married another fellow, erroneously, and now she has to leave him. So there aren't two different relationships on which to discuss mamzerim, unlike what we had in Mishnah Aleph. We'll have to see what Rishon and Acharon are, and we will see them at the very beginning of the Gemara. Now, the second version of that case is, let's say they came and gave her the opposite report, that your son died first and then your husband, which would mean that when the husband died, she now has a zika libum, and then she married the brother-in-law, which of course, but instead she married him because she thought there was a chiyuv of yibum. And then the, te- the witnesses came and said, no, the order was inverted, meaning that first the husband died, leaving her a regular almana, but asura to the brother-in-law, and then the son died, which has no import here whatsoever. Same deal, she has to leave the Yavam and Vlad Rishon and Acharon and Mamzer. Again, we have to figure out what Vlad Rishon and Acharon are, because again, here there is only one man with whom she is with after the problem exists. How could the very short Acharon? We'll clarify. Now, second case which has two twists to it, is Amrullah Meit Ba'alech. Classic case. There's no, there's no son involved. She has other children. There's no Yibum issue. They came and reported her husband died. V'nisait. V'yachakach Amrullah Kayam Haya Umeit. So she was told her husband died, let's say, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. She married on Rosh Chodesh Iyar. 
And then they came and said, no, actually he did die, but he died in Rosh Chodesh Sivan, which means when you remarried, he was already he was still alive, but subsequently he died. Um, so she leaves, and the Vlad Rishon is a Mamzer, the Vlad Acharon is not a Mamzer, and again we have to figure out who this is. What is Rishon and Acharon? Now, this is one we saw in the earlier Sugya. It was quoted in the earlier Sugya. If they came and said your husband died and she accepted Kiddushin, now the husband shows up, she can go back to him because after all, she, she accepted Kiddushin from somebody, violated no laws whatsoever, never had relations with the second guy. The Kiddushin, of course, are meaningless. She goes back to her first husband. And here's the here's the Kanech. Even if the second guy gives her a get, for some reason he thinks that it's a super firm thing to do or he needs to give her a get, even if he gives her a get, she's still not psalaminakuna, which means that if subsequently her husband dies and she's a widow, she can marry a coin, even though she got a get, because the get is a meaningless piece of paper in this case. And this is the drush of Rebelozim and Matyal. The pasuk, number one on the page, that the text prohibits in Parsha Emor a coin from marrying a woman who is divorced from her husband. Not if somebody's divorced from somebody who's not her husband. Meaning, if some guy on the street walks up to a married woman and gives her a piece of paper that says, I'm a Gureshit many, and subsequently her husband dies, she's not a Grusha. She got a piece of paper from some guy on the street. In the same case here, when her husband really was alive, and she accepted Kedushin from some other guy, even if he gives her a get, he's nobody to her, and therefore she is not Psula Min HaKahuna. That is Mishnah Gimel. Now let's see the analysis. So my Rishon and my Acharon, as I pointed out three times in the Mishnah, they were using this term of Vlad Rishon and Vlad Acharon. In the first two cases, both are Mamzerim. In the third case, only Vlad Rishon is a Mamzer, not Acharon. What does that mean? Ile Marishon Lifnei Shmuah if you want to argue that Rishon is not from one person as opposed to another, because there is only one person who's playing here, but rather Rishon means before the word came that things were wrong, that the order was wrong and that the husband really was alive earlier, and Acharon, and then, um, so Litni Avlad Mamzer. So why don't we just say that Havlad Mamzer, because if you're going to say Rishon Mamzer or Achron Mamzer, and it's all from the same guy, just say Havlad Mamzer, any child she has is a Mamzer. The answer is Rishon to Kawai Lamitni Seifa, because we do have to distinguish between Rishon and Achron, meaning before and after Shmua, in the third case. Amrula Meit Parech Venisait, Vachaka Hamarla Amrula Kayamaya Umeit, Rishon Mamzer, Vachron Mamzer, meaning. What does Rishon mean? Rishon means any children that she might have conceived between the time that she married and now the new date of death. That's a mamzer. But any child that she has that she conceived after the now confirmed later date of death, who's called Acharon, is not a mamzer. Because after all, she married a guy while in reality her husband was alive. But a month later, in reality, the husband died. Two months after that, she conceived a child. Even though her original marriage to the guy was not good, now she's properly married to him. Or shall we say, this is not considered adultery at this point, and therefore that child is not a mamzer. Since we had to distinguish between before Shmua and after Shmua in the Seifa, therefore in the Reisha, even though there is no distinction, because they're all, they're, all the cases are mamzer, before or after the Shmua, because in, um, in both cases in the Reisha that have to do with Yibum, her relationship with the fellow that she's with is problematic, both from the time 
that the original event happened and also after the news came. Right, or after the second date, or after the, th- the proper order was established. And therefore, we needed a Rishon and Acheron. Now, Tanam Rishon, Rishon Acheron, Mamzer. Good. Now, Tanam Rabbanon. Zudivay Rabbi Akiva. You take a look at our Mishnah, and our Mishnah is claiming that a woman who should be a Yivama, but married out and has children, those children are Mamzerim. Uh, that's not so obvious. Because after all, the Torah, and we've seen it several times in our Masechet, the Torah prohibits a Yivama from marrying somebody outside of the family until the proper thing is done. Yibum, and then uh, a divorce, or, or death, or chalitza. But without that, when she's still zukuka, marrying out is a lav. But a lav does not create a mamzer. So the answer is, Zudev Rebekiva, that our Mishnah is based on Rebekiva, who says, After all, he maintains, and we've seen this so many times, the Kiddushin are not tofis b'chavilavin, and as a result of that, a, a violation of chavilavin creates a mamzer. Now listen carefully to chachomim, Ein mamzer mi yivama. Ein mamzer mi yivama means a yivama who marries out before getting uh, some sort of release or solution to the zika uh, does not create a mamzer. Now, so if, if Rabbi Kiva said yesh mamzer michayvilavin, why don't Chachamim then oppose him and say ain mamzer michayvilavin? The answer is haytana hachtana Rabbi Kiva who. The answer is that the Chachamim here are operating also within Rabbi Akiva. After all, if you remember in our sugya daf memtet, the central sugya about tefisas kedushim michayvilavin and about and about the creation of mamzerut. Uh, we saw that there were three different opinions about what, how far Rabbi Akiva would go to, go to create Mamzerim. Meaning, how far along the spectrum does he maintain that a relationship creates Mamzerim? And the most, uh, the most lenient, if you will, or the least expansive position is that Rabbi Akiva says only Chayvilavin de She'er. Chayvilavin of consanguinity, but not Chayvilavin like, uh, Amoni Moavi, Tzuadaka, etc. do not create Mamzerim. So that is a bad example, but Amoni Muavi, Mamzer, sorry, Amoni Muavi do not create Mamzerim, because they are, and of course Yuvame is a Lotase, which is not of She'er, right? So therefore, the Chachamim here are really taking the position of Rabbi Akiva, but the more, uh, less expansive position. And that's why he said, Ein Mamzer mi Yuvama. They do say, Yish Mamzer mi Chavilavin, some of them. Haitan Achtan Rabbi Shukiva, Ehu, the Amar of Chavilavin, the Sher Havi Mamzer, Lavin, the greedy Lohavi Mamzer. Good. Now, Amr of Yehud Amarav. This is a very central sugya in, in Yivamot. And that is that Rav holds the position that if a Yivama accepts Kiddushin from an outside person, Kiddushin are not Tofes. He's not speaking about the issue of Mamzerut. He's just saying Kiddushin aren't Tofes. How does he know that? Shinemar, Lotia, take a look at Pasuk 2 on the page. Lotia, Eshtamet Achutza Li'ishzar. That when a man dies without children, his wife will not be to an outside person. What does that mean, will not be? It depends if you interpret it, meaning she may not be or she cannot be. Rabbi Rav interprets it as meaning she cannot be. It is impossible for her to create a union with an outside person until things in the family have been resolved. Shmuel says, and this is a, a, a kind of a catchphrase that's quoted a lot by the Rishonim when we refer to the sugya, the sugya of Aniyutenu, right? That's Shmuel's position, which is that in, in our own deficiency, that we don't have the knowledge, get, meaning that she needs to get me safek, meaning that if a Yavama accepts Kiddushin from an outside person, me safek, we force a get, 
Because the Kiddushin may be valid. Why? What does Vudata Meaning, you may not marry out? Or is it saying you cannot marry out? It is impossible to marry out. Shmuel is misupak, what Lotihia means, and therefore says misafek, you need to get. Now, watch the result of that. Amar of Mari Barachel, Ravashi. So Mari Barachel said to Ravashi, Hachi Amar Amemar, Halacha Kavateta Shmuel. Amemar, an elder of Ravashi, had said that the Halacha follows Shmuel, which means you need to get. So Amar Ravashi, so now Ravashi turns around and says, Hashtag Amar Amemar, Halacha Kavateta Shmuel. So I've got an interesting solution. In our case of, uh, of the, um, the report coming that she, um, may marry out because the uh, husband died first and she married out and turns out the son died first she has to go back if she was married to a Kohen which means the brother is a Kohen so here it's very simple is that according to Shmuel of course the Kiddushin she accepted from the outside guy that were wrong necessitate a get. She gets a get and now she's a Grusha and now she cannot marry the uh the the Yavam, right? Uh so he gives her Khalitsa and now she can marry the second guy because she's been released from the Ibum. So it Itkar, what we're we're gonna give her a schar in Kematsinochotaniskar, we're saying that this woman is now rewarded by allowing by allowing her to marry the outside guy who she really wasn't supposed to marry because she jumped the gun. Ella, so really this is what we're trying to say, Yisrael, if she was married into a Yisraeli family, regular family, what happens is that the second guy, Kornishwal, gives her a get. And then, and now she can marry the Avam, because after all, um, the whatever Kiddushin may have happened with the second guy have now been broken by the get. Shmuel says you have to give such a get. And in that case now she can go back and marry the Avam because the Avam, who is a Yisrael, is Mutter Begrusha. That is Ravashi's position. And remember that's all based on the notion that Halacha Kevateda Shmuel, which was Amemar's ruling. Not so clear. Amrav Gidon Ravchiabar Yosef Amarav. Yivama Kiddushin Eintov Sinba Einba Nisuin Yeshba. So according to this version, Rav said something kind of enigmatic. He said a Yevama doesn't have Kiddushin, meaning Kiddushin from an outside person are meaningless. Rav already stated that. But Nisuin Yeshba, but she does have Nisuin. So E Kiddushin Enba, Nisuin Nami Enba. It doesn't make sense. It's got to be consistent. If it's impossible for her to forge a new relationship with somebody before being having the Yibum issue resolved, then that has to be true about Nisuin also. So Ema Kiddushin V'Nisuin Enba. Good, so fix the statement. Which is saying neither Kiddushin nor Nisuin can exist with her. Perhaps he meant it. And he meant meaning biznut. Meaning that if she goes and sleeps with another person, that if a Shomeret Yavam, if she accepts Kiddushin from another guy, it's meaningless. We ignore it. But if on the other hand she has relations with an outside person, then it is a meaningful act that asserts her on the Yavam. Okay. The other possibility is the Olam Kedamran Meikara. Let's say our original thing, which is Kiddushin Einba Nisuin Yeshba, meaning Kiddushin Einba Nisuin Yeshba to Michlafa Biisha Shalach Balm Dinatayam. Meaning, if she accepts Kiddushin from some guy, we ignore it. But if, on the other hand, she actually went and married another guy, 
then even though technically we should say this marriage is absolutely meaningless, we're not going to necessitate a get because she's Yevama, nonetheless, because it's too similar to a regular case where the news comes that a husband died and a woman married, and Midra Bonner, we necessitate a get from the second husband, so that people will not think that you get divorced without a get. Therefore, because this case is so similar, we necessitate a get here, and we consider the Nisuin, Ki'ilu, as if it's valid Nisuin, to necessitate a get. Good. Now, I'm Rabbi Yanai. Rabbi Yanai, this is now in Eretz Yisrael. Remember, in Bavel, Amemar said, Allah HaKeshmuel. I'm Rabbi Yanai, B'chavua Nimnuva Gamru. In the base matters, they, they voted and they agreed, Ein Kiddushin Tovsin B'Yavoma. Right? Kiddushin HaTovsin, we paskin like Rav. Now, I'm Rabbi Yochan. So Rabbi Yochanan's student said, Rabbi, why are you saying that you guys voted and you and as if there was a dispute about it? It's an open, explicit Mishnah. To none, we have a Mishnah that says, Ha'omer li'isha, this Mishnah in Kiddushin, Haran mukudeshitli, I am going to give you Kiddushin now, Laharshet Gayer, meaning, I'm a Goy, I'm giving you money, we're going to get back to this, this will be a central piece of the next half. I'm going to give you money now for Kiddushin, but I'm not Jewish now, so this money is good for Kiddushin, that'll take place after I become Jewish. Lachash Tkariyar, you're not Jewish, and this money is valid when you become Jewish, when you go through Giyar. Lachash Tkariyar, I'm an Evan, I'm about to be free. Lachash Tkariyar, you're a Shifcha, you're about to be freed. Lachash Tkariyar, Palech, your husband is sick, here's Kiddushin, when he dies, this is valid. Lachash Tkariyar, or... I'm married to your sister, but your sister is very sick, and therefore I'm giving you this money, and after she dies, the Kiddushin is valid. And this is the one we care about. Or, you are a Yevam, Yavam now. I know that the fellow is going to give you Chalitza. Here's the Kiddushin. As soon as you give me the Chalitza, the Kiddushin kick in. Kiddushin are not valid. Now, why are Kiddushin not valid in all those cases? So, looking at the first five cases, because these are all cases where right now I can't be Makadishur, and therefore... Since I do not have 100% control to create Kiddushin now, my Kiddushin on, on a future spec doesn't work. Which means that in the last case, case number 6, where we said these are Kiddushin that will be valid after your Get Chalitza, means that my Kiddushin now would not be valid. Which proves to you very clearly that the opinion of the, of the Stam Mishnah and Kiddushin is that Kiddushin to a Shomer Devam are meaningless. Just like Kiddushin to a married woman or Kiddushin to a non-Jew are, are meaningless. Just because later on her status will change doesn't help. So now Rabbi Yane turned to Rabbi Yochanan and said, If I had not given you a rough piece of, of pottery, would you have found, if I had not lifted up the, the pottery, would you have, would you have found the, the, the uh, jewel underneath it? Meaning that you're right that that Mishnah in Kiddushin is driven by the same sentiment, which is that in Kiddushin Tovsin Biyavaba. But had I not told you that we ruled en kiddushin tov simivama, you would not have read that mishnah that way. You would have interpreted it differently. Let's see what let's see what that is. Amalei rishlakish. So rishlakish said to Rabbi Yochanan, he loved the kalsach gavaraba. If it weren't for the fact that Rabbi Yana, the great man, had praised you, meaning that he was happy with your find. I would have said to you, interpreting the Mishnah and Kiddushin, that the reason is different. Not because uh, Kiddushin and Tophis Biyavava, but Manitin Rabbi Akiva, because that Mishnah is, driven by, is authored by Rabbi Akiva. Of course, Rabbi Akiva will say Kiddushin and Tophis to you, but that does nothing for normative halacha. And then Rabbi Yochanan turns around and says, Rabbi Akiva, but that doesn't make sense because in all these cases, by the way, Rabbi Akiva should say Kiddushin will be valid. Why? 
Because Rabbi Akiva, after all, maintains Adam A man may make a transaction dealing with something that is not yet in this world. Meaning, the classic case, of course, is selling uh, the fruit of a tree that have not yet blossomed. Right? So does the tree have to be already planted? Do the buds already have to be out? Good, a discussion about how far along the process it has to be. But uh, if you say, Adam maknet davar olam, that a person is able to make transactions with things that aren't yet here, that means that I can sell you the fruit of a tree where the tree is, uh, is still a young tree and nothing has blossomed. In the same way, since Rabbi Akiva, at this point we think holds, that Adam maknet davar olam, then I fully understand why Rabbi Akiva um, then, then I cannot attribute the Mishnah to Rabbi Akiva because Rabbi Akiva should say that if a man gives a woman uh, who's a Shomer Yavam money and says these are valid Kiddushin after you get Chalitza then it should be valid because uh, it's a Davar Shlomalam it's something that is a, 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 a status that doesn't yet exist should be valid and how do we know that? Dinan if a husband says to his wife, I am taking a nether of Hanah, I'm not going to get any Hanah, for, um, um, for anything that I am, uh, you, I'm, I'm asking Hanah, anything that I do uh, that you cannot eat, meaning future earnings, then there's no need to, um, to, uh, to, do a, uh, to do a far. Sorry, if a woman, sorry, if a woman says to her husband, that any um, earnings that I get are asur to you. Answer Echlafer, the husband doesn't even have to repudiate the netter. The netter is absolutely meaningless because, after all, she's taking a netter about stuff that doesn't yet exist. Rabbi Kiva Omer, Yafer. Rabbi Kiva says you do have to because the netter is valid. Why? Because the amount that he is supposed to get for earnings, which is corresponding to Mizonot that he gives her, um, is uh, is going to be coming to him. But let's say she earns more than that. That really would be also to him, even though it is something that doesn't yet exist. She hasn't gotten her paycheck yet. She hasn't done the work yet. So it seems that Rabbi Akiva holds that a person can transact regarding things that don't yet exist. And therefore, Rabbi Akiva cannot be the author of the Mishnah and Kiddushin. And therefore, I go back and I say, well, then how would I explain the Mishnah and Kiddushin if not for the simple fact of saying that Kiddushin are not Tofes B'Yavama? And the answer is that it's not so simple in the Dareem. That actually what the woman did not say was future earnings are also to you, but the my hands are also to you for what they create. And my hands are in the world. This is a sugi in the first paragraph of the Dareem. Uh, but remember, my hands exist. And so therefore, if the woman says, my hands are also to you for what they produce, then we're not talking about things that don't yet exist, and it does not speak to the issue of Adam Maknet That is Rav Huna Brady Rav Yeshua's position in interpreting Rabbi Akiva's dissent in the Darim, that Rabbi Akiva does not have a disagreement with Chachamim about transactions and futures, but rather about the formulation of the Neder, and whether that's a successful formulation. It's a local issue about Nadarim and not a broad issue about futures. That's Rav Huna Rebbe Shua. And based on that, I say I could still interpret Rabbi Kiva as being the author of the Mishnah and Kiddushin, and saying that because I, Rabbi Kiva, hold and Kiddushin to Havzim therefore if I give Kiddushin to a woman who is, uh, is, uh, is a Shemrat Yavam, it won't work. The fact that later on she'll be in a good position doesn't help because I don't hold that you can uh, trade in futures. Now, Upligar of Nachbar Yitzchak. 
However, Rav Huna Yeshua's position in interpreting Rabbi Kiva is at odds with that of Rav Bar Yitzchak, who interpreted Rabbi Kiva the way that we originally did. And, we'll see, and the reason I'm giving you the heads up is because we have a long, winding road until we get to, uh, to Rabbi Kiva here. Uh, as we'll see, the Amar Nachman Yitzchak Rav Huna Kirav Rav Huna holds like his Rebbe Rav, for Rav Kirabiyanai Rav like like the teacher in Eretz Rabbiyanai Rabbiyanai Kirabichia Rabbiyanai holds like his teacher Rabbiyia Rabbiyia Kirabichia was the prize student of Rabbi for Rabbi Kirab Meir for Meir Kavolos Minyakov Kavolos Minyakov Kirabikiva. In other words, you have a chain of about seven generations here going from Rabbi Akiva. Through Rebbe, through Rav, to his student Ravuna, who all agreed to the same principle, which is Adam Makne Davar Shalom Ba Leolam. A person may uh, is able to engage in transactions about things that don't yet exist. And now we're going to go through every one of those names and see how it plays out. Ravuna Mahi, what's the case? How do we know that Ravuna holds that? This is the classic case. A person sells the fruit of a, of a palm tree to his friend. If they didn't yet come into the world, so if I make a sale with you, then I say I'm going to sell you uh, X amount of fruit, uh, two tons of fruit off of these trees that haven't yet come into the world. Then we can, I can already, I, before they bloom, I can then renege on the contract. The minute they come into the world, Rav Nachman says that once they've, even if they've come into the world, I can go back because the whole deal is not a deal. Because the deal was made, um, uh, the deal was made um, before they were in the world. Now, Rav Nachman, Modina di Shamit Rav Nachman parenthetically says that, um, so Rav Nachman parenthetically says that if the buyer does take some of the perot after the, after the, uh, have grown, uh, and he p- takes them off the tree, that we don't pull it out uh, from him, because there was, after all, a promise to make a deal, and we let him keep them, and of course he has to pay for them, but we see that Rav Huna says that the, the deal is a valid deal. Good, that's Rav Huna. Rav, how do we know that Rav holds this? The Amar Rav Huna, Amar Rav, this field that I'm buying, when I buy it, it is then bought back to you as of now, Kana, he says it's a valid deal. Which means even though I don't have it yet, I'm selling it before I get it. That sale is valid. Good. Rabbianai kirabichia. Rabbianai and Rabbichia both hold this. How do we know? Because there's a story involving the two of them. Rabbianai havile arisa. He had a sharecropper. kanta shabta. He would bring him a basket of, of fruit every every Friday afternoon. One Friday it got late and the guy didn't come. So what did he do? Shakal as esermi pere. Devete. He took ten of his own fruit in the house, Awaihu, and he was mafrish them to cover the fruit that were going to come from the Aris, because of course you can't separate them on Shabbos, and he wanted to eat this beautiful fruit on Shabbos, and he knew they were going to come. So he separated on them, he separated from his own fruit on them, all right, and then after the coming of Rebchia, then he came to Rebchia and he said, did I do the right thing? Amale Shapiravad, you did the right thing. The Tanya, we have a pasuk, it says, Right, and the pasuk says that you you should uh, come to Shalayim, etc. In order that you will always learn learn to love Hashem all the days. What does that mean? Elu Shabbatot v'yamim tovim. Now, what does that mean? The pasuk there is talking about eating maaser. That you should love learn to love Hashem all the days, including Shabbat and Yom Tov. Does that mean 
that the Torah is saying that you are allowed to uh, to take the the, the maser and eat it. You start crying mishri tiltul drabanan. You need a pasuk to be matir something which otherwise would be asur drabanan, like tiltul. Elolav ki gavna. What it's talking about is this exact case that you're allowed to take trumot and masrot on erev shabbat for things that you know are going to arrive at shabbat because again the adam the makne the var shelo shelo alam. Amar levaha akarin mechel makaneratzutz. Parenthetically, in the story, so Rabbi Yanai says after I did this, I was in a having a dream, and there's a whole long sugya in the ninth parak of brachot about dreams that has to do with reading psukim, is that if a person in his dream is told to read a particular pasuk, what it may mean, he said, in my dream I was told to read the words kaneratsuts, the broken uh, read, or the, the weak read. My love, isn't this what they were telling me, the pasuk in Malachim Bet, which is when Rav Shakeh, the uh, general of Sanchariv's army is yelling to the people in Yerushalayim and saying, you guys are relying on on a broken reed. You're relying on Egypt, this broken reed, which means that what you did was a bad thing because you're being compared, compared to a broken reed. No, Rabbi Chiyah said Rabbi Yanai. When they're telling you to read the Pasuk, they're referring to this Pasuk in Shemam Bet. A, a, a weak reed will not be broken. Meaning that even though it's weak, nonetheless it holds up and it is strong, not weak, even though it looks so weak. And therefore, what you did was the right thing, indeed. So now we know that Rav Huna, based on his ruling about uh, about the tree, Rav, based on his ruling about selling the land, Rabbi Yana and Rabbi Chia, based on both of them, Rabbi Yana asked the question, Rabbi Chia answering it in the affirmative, about taking Masrod for stuff that has not yet appeared. All hold Adam Makna Davar Ulam. Good. What's next? Rabbi the Tanya Lotaskir Eved Al Adonav. The pasuk says that you're not allowed to hand an Eved back to his master. I don't know, Eved who runs away from you, you're not allowed to sell him back. Let's talk about an Eved who runs away from a non-Jew or an Eved who runs away from Chutzlarts. Rabbi Omer Belokach Eved Almanat L'Shacharakatum Davar. We're talking here about an Eved, an Eved that you buy on condition that you're going to free him. Hechidami, how could that be? Amarachma Yitzchak the Chatavlei that he wrote in wrote in the Shtar. When I buy you, you are already bought to yourself. In other words, even before I buy you, I'm claiming that I'm going to free you. Which again means that Madam Maknedavar Shalobalalam. Rebbe says that's a valid deal. Reb Meir, what did Reb Meir say? That shows that he maintains this, and of course, Reb Meir is the most famous authority who holds from the position that Adam Maknedavar Shalobalalam. He says, The reason I'm doing this fast is because we just read this Mishnah. Ramer says about all those situations, she is Mekudashet, because I'm giving her the money now, because either my status or her status, our, our combined status, will change after time to make the marriage permissible, and then the Kiddushin will be chal. Rav Meir says it works. Good. Rav Lozim and Yaakov, the Tanya, Yeter, Yater, Rav Lozim and Yaakov, he said a uh, greater thing. We'll see. Afilu imamar perot aruga zutlushim. Yutrumar perot aruga mechubarim. That if a man says, the fruit of this particular bed, garden, garden bed of, of, of fruit or vegetables, which have already been uprooted and already sitting in the basket or sitting in the in the, in the house are truma on this stuff which is still in the ground. Or the stuff that is in um, in the ground 
our our uh, trumot on our truma and masrot on the other stuff that's already been picked, and it will only kick in when the stuff in the ground reaches onata masrot, which is when they reach a third of their growth and they are picked. So Rosam Yaakov says, and the part that we care about is that I can take fruit that's in the ground that's not even ripe. And remember, you cannot separate Trumatomasrot from anything. Nothing is even in the parsh of Trumatomasrot until it's grown a third, and then it's also been uprooted. I can take it and I could say, this stuff in the ground is Trumatomasrot on that stuff that's already been picked and is ripened, and is ripened. And it will only kick in when this stuff reaches a third and is picked. In the meantime, I can go eat the other stuff. And then when this stuff reaches, the stuff in the ground reaches a third, and then later it's picked, then that's the Tremotum Masrot. And Rabbi Yaakov says it's, it, it's valid, which means, of course, he holds Adam Makneh, Davar, Shiloh, Ba'la, Olam. And now the last one, of course, we get all the way back to Rabbi Akiva. We've gone chronologically backwards in time. Rabbi Akiva, uh, and Rabbi Akiva, Man Konam, Shani Yosef, Lafiche, Eino Tzarich Lafer, Right, this is when the woman says, "Any earnings that I have are ushered to you, my husband." Rabbi Kiva Omer, fair. And Rabbi Kiva says that you have to do afara because the amount that she owes him of her earnings that are correspond to the mizonot that he feeds her, uh, that uh, that she doesn't have a right to uh, to forbid. But anything beyond that, there would be a right. Therefore, Rabbi Kiva says he has to repudiate the vow, which means Rabbi Kiva says that. Uh, and this is what Nachum Bar Yitzchak saying that this is my proof that Rabbi Kiva holds Adam Makanet of Olam because he interprets the Mishnah Nedarim as a being about transactions for the future, unlike Rav Huna Bar who interpreted it as being about a particular formulation where she says Yeah Yeah Um Good. So that is the very large piece that we had about Adam Makanet of Olam. And now we move on. They asked Rav Sheshit the following question. What happens if one witness comes, and meaning our Mishnah, remember we left it a little bit unclear as to who was informing about the death of the husband and about the death of the son and in which order it happened. So they come and ask him, what if it was one witness who came and said uh, that your husband died uh, and uh, and your son died afterwards, or your son died before, and as a result, she will or won't be chayav yibum. Do we say that time a day to have the reason normally would be one one witness is because because something that eventually will come out nobody's going to lie about. In other words, why do we believe one witness when he says this guy's dead? Because if the guy's going to walk up in a day or a year or at some point he's going to show up alive, then this guy's going to be a liar. Therefore, a person will never lie about something that will come to light. Is that what we say? So the same thing should be true here. But maybe the reason that we believe one witness is he's cutting to the core of the question of why we believe one witness in a duty shot. Is it because um, it's it, anything that will eventually come to light, a person won't lie about, so we give nemanu to that one person? Or is it because we say that, when a, that it's more on the woman, that the woman will be very, very careful to marry? based on one witness, and therefore the one witness plus that extra care gives enough nemanut. Um, and but here sometimes she may uh, really like her brother-in-law and want to marry him. And therefore lo means to him, and therefore she won't be as careful. In other words, the difference between a normal eduti shah and eduti shah biyavama is that in normal eduti shah, what happens is she's married to her husband. We assume that she has not formed any romantic bonds with any other man, and then when the husband, she finds out her husband's dead, then she starts looking for another husband. 
But on the other hand, here, she's in a family where she doesn't have any children. She knows that if her husband dies, she's got this brother-in-law that, uh, that she may end up marrying. Maybe she likes him, so she's not going to be as careful to check the testimony. So therefore, we may not extend the principle of Eidachan for Eidut Isha when it comes to Eidut Yivamak. So that's what they said to Rav Sheshit. Amr Rav Sheshit. Rav Sheshit said, Tinitua, we have a Mishnah, a Brighton. It says, Amrullah Meit Panech, our Mishnah. V'chakach Meit Palech, V'nit Yamak. So they came and told her, your son died, then your husband died, which means she's this Kukali Yavam, and she married the brother-in-law. And then they came and told her things were happening in the opposite order, which means that she's now violating Korate uh, by being with her brother-in-law. Now, Hechidami, how'd this play out? That two guys first came and told her that the, that the son died first, and then another two came and said, came and said it was in the opposite order. So why are you relying on the second two witnesses? And even if you want to rely on the second two witnesses and say that um, that uh, it's tray tray, then mamzer mamzer at least call the kid a sofik mamzer, which by the way is more homer because he can't marry a mamzer at either, right? The uh, the dak, and if you want to say that when the Mishnah said mamzer, it was low meant sofik mamzer, but it wasn't being very exacting. But in the Mishnah, in the third case, we see that the Mishnah is being very exact. Right? So it must mean that this kid is an absolute Mamzer. And it can't be that two witnesses came and said that the uh, son died first, and then another two came and, and had the order reversed. It must be that the first guy who came was just a single witness. And that's why when the other two come and say that the order was reversed, we believe them. And we establish them as a full mamzer. And it's only because two guys came and testified that the order was reversed. Otherwise, this one witness is believed and her marrying was fine. Everything was fine until the other two showed up. Some people said that Rav Sheshit's answer was a little different. said, You don't even have to ask the question. Even if the woman herself comes and says, my husband died and now I'm skukali avam, then she's believed it. We have this later in the Masachet. If a woman says, my husband died, she can get married. If she says, my husband died, and she has no children and there's a brother, she has evil. So in other words, she's, certainly, if she's believed, one other witness is believed. The question is the opposite. Not being mechayiv yibum, but allowing yivamah to marry out. Meaning, if one witness comes and says the husband died first, then the son, which allows the yivamah to marry out, right? Do we say then that we believe one witness? My time at eight echad. So they said to Rav Sheshit, "What's the reason that we normally believe one witness? Mishum demilta davidelikluilovashakir because something that's going to come to light, people won't lie about. So hachanam ilovashakir. Same thing here." Or maybe the reason that we believe one witness is because a woman will be normally very careful when she then starts looking for a new husband. She'll be very careful to make sure her husband's really dead. But here she may not be so careful. She may hate the brother-in-law. And therefore, the minute that she hears that the order was that the husband died and then the son died, she'll say, all right, great, I'm going to go marry somebody else and I'm out of this family. And so she won't be very careful to check and make sure that indeed the order was the way that uh, that, it, that it really played out. That the order was the way that she heard. She'll be careful because it will be supporting what she wants to believe. 
That's what they. This is the other version. They said that's a Rav Shesha. They played out the two sides, and they said, really, we're not asking about whether one witness is believed to put her into the parsh of Yibum. Question is, is one witness believed to take her out of the parsh of Yibum? Rav Shesha tini tua. So Rav Shesha, according to this, quoted the other part of the Mishnah. Amrula meit parech v'charkach meit panech. The second case, v'niseit. So if they told her first your husband died, which means she's a regular almana, and then your son died, so she's still an almana, and she married. And then they came, again, who's the they? Came and said the order was reversed. Right? Now, how was the case? If you're going to say there were two who came and said she's a regular almana, then two came and said, no, she's Yavama. Why are you relying on the second two? Same question. If it's two versus two, why are you relying on the second two? The first two should establish the 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 the, 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 the status. And second of all, even if you accept the second two, Zachakol, the kid should be a Suffolk Mamzer. Are you going to tell me the Mishnah was not being very exacting? We see our Mishnah being very exacting. It must be that one guy came and said that the uh, husband died first and then the son. It's only because two came later and challenged that. So without that, the one witness is believed who comes and says that the order takes her out of evil. So, no, Leolam Treu Trey. Here, the students may have answered that really it's Treu Trey. Two witnesses came and said that uh, she is out of the Parsha of Yibum, and so she married out. And then another two witnesses came and said, no, she really is in the Parsha of Yibum. The son died first. You know what? The second two witnesses are not witnesses that said to testify about what happened, but they're witnesses to testify that the other two witnesses during the entire time that they're claiming that they saw these deaths were with these guys and nothing happened. In other words, these two second two witnesses are not coming and saying, we saw reality different, in which case it's tray tray, but rather they're saying, your testimony is impossible because during the entire time that you're claiming you saw these two people die, the son and father die, you're with us at the movies and you could not testify to such a thing. In which case the Torah, Xerat HaKatuv, the Torah maintains that we believe the second witnesses. Good. So here, by the way, it's, it's not clear, at least in the second version, whether or not the original notice that we accepted and allowed her to either do Yibum or Dafka leave the, the family was based on one person's testimony or whether it really could be two and that the reason that the second two come and actually make the kid a mom, 100% mamzer and we, of course, believe them is because they're Ede Hazama. Good. So somebody said to Ravashi, A woman is not believed to say, My Yavam died. In other words, a, a woman became a widow. She has one brother, uh, one brother-in-law, and no children, obviously. And then she comes and says, That brother-in-law died. So now there's nobody left and she can marry out. She's not believed to say that. And she also is not uh, reliable to come and say, uh, that uh, you know, she wants to marry a man who's married to her sister to come and say my sister died, so that then she could uh, marry that man. So he nehidalomahemna. So it's only she herself was not believed. So what's the inference? So obviously one other witness is believed. She who has a particular nigi and a real interest here is not believed, but another one witness would be believed, which seems to support Rav Sheshit's answer that one witness is believed about Yibum. 
Look at the second half of the statement. A man is not believed to come and say, Oh, my brother died, and now I and no children, and so I, I will be Miabim, his wife, because this, the suspicion is that uh, he has an interest in the wife, and he's not telling the truth. And not to say, My wife died, so now I can marry her sister. So you're going to be medayik the same way and say, he's not believed, but somebody else is believed to come and say that statement? Since when do we ever have one witness believed about the death of a wife? Or the death of a brother? We have it about the death of a husband. That's one thing. I understand why we would say one witness is believed. As we saw at the beginning of the parak that the Rabbanon were lenient because of the issue of Vaguna. But what are you going to say about a man to say that a man is believed, uh, a man himself is not believed, but one other witness is believed to say that his wife died so that he can marry the sister? You don't have any such consideration. There's no aguna issue here. The answer is that this statement was needed for Rabbi Akiva. Why? I would have thought the following. Since Rabbi Akiva says that the result of Chavilavin is a mamzer, that a woman will be very, very careful and she will um, not marry, meaning that a woman will not marry out uh, of of uh, out if if she hears that her that her uh, yavam died, um, she will not marry out because she'll be so. Concerned that the, that it's that the report is inaccurate, and then the child is a mamzer. So kamash malan, the answer is that she's not so careful, and like the like one of the girsaot has it, she's very concerned for her own kilkul, but not for the kilkul of her child. He says, no, you got it. You've got to accept the idea. He's supporting Rav Sheshet that one witness is believed to put a woman into the status of a about a yivamat. Because the isakari titarta. After all, for isakari tavechadish, you're accepting one witness. So certainly a Yuvama marrying out. So to say that the uh, that the uh, that the husband died before the son, or to say that the Avam is dead, one witness should certainly believe Kalvachomer. So I'm going to one of the Ravas. So one of the students said to Rava, he atzvatochiach. So the Isra Kari Titarta, the Isra Lav Lo Hitarta. Meaning that the woman's own testimony demonstrates that that Kalvachomer doesn't work, because after all, we do believe her to say her husband is dead, thus uh, trumping the possibility of Karate for Eshadish, but we don't believe her to come and say that the Avam died, which would then have her marrying somebody outside of the family, which is an Easter love. So you see the Kalvachomer doesn't work. So why isn't she believed about that? Because sometimes she really doesn't like the brother-in-law. And therefore, she's not going to be very careful about the issue. And she, uh, and, but So the same reason. Just like she's not believed to say that the uh, brother, that the Avam died, Similarly, she won't be. She, one witness is not believed. This is the challenge to Rava and Rav Sheshet. One witness is not believed to say that um, that the um, son died. For, that the brother, the husband died first, and then the son died because she'll be too ready to believe that because she really doesn't like the brother-in-law, and therefore she will marry outside of the family. And therefore, we say you really need two witnesses. Now, the very end of the Mishnah quoted Rabbi Lezer and Matthew who have the Midrash that said, Isha, Grusha, Meisha, 
that the only time a get is meaningful at all is if she gets it from somebody who's really her husband. But if she accepted Kedushin from another guy, and it turned out her husband was alive the whole time, even if he gave her a get, that's meaningless. Even if the second guy gave her a get, it's meaningless. Ben Matya should have taken that pasuk and darshan the beautiful jewel. But instead, he did something very simple, a piece of shard of pottery. My Barganita, what was the beautiful drush she could have gotten out of the Pasuk? Titania, this is the ninth parak of Gittin. Isha, Gusham, Isha, meaning Afilon, Gusha, Elam, Isha, Psulu, Likuhuna. That even if a woman is only Gusham, Isha, she still needs something Likuhuna. What's the example? A man gives his wife a get and says, Hare at Mishalach, Lemeni, Asura, Lacholadam. He says in the get that you are divorced from me, but you're not allowed to marry another man. Meaning, the only thing that this get affected was she, sending her away, but it didn't allow her to marry anybody else. Nonetheless, she's psulim in and that's called reach haget. Hani reach haget to posel b'kuhuna. So that is uh, reach haget, because uh, even though she has not been permitted to marry another man, she's still with grusha me'isha. And that's the really fine, sensitive drush on the Pasuk. Instead, of Elizabeth Matya had a less uh, sophisticated, less elegant drasha, which is that the get is only meaningful if it comes from somebody who really is your husband. Tov, as I promised, this was an uh, inordinately long uh, podcast, but we did uh, cover the entire sugya up until Tzadi Dalit Amur Aleph, and Mirza uh, Hashem will continue in the next podcast from this point. Everyone should have a wonderful day.